0: Revelation chapter 1, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, we did hit another milestone yesterday. They poured our second floor of our new building, so that's another step in the right direction. Uh, it is our hope that they will begin putting up the walls sometime this week on the inside. It is going to get really exciting. It is exciting, but it's the closer you get to that, the more you realize that we're not that far away. Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 9 and verse 10. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so if you don't have that version with you, look up, behold, they have it before you. And it reads like this. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom. And in the patient endurance which Jesus calls us, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day. Everybody say it was the Lord's day. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast, and it said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea thus begins one of the most fascinating books in the Bible the book of Revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ I want to go back to the 10th verse and John said it was the Lord's day King James said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day something powerful about Moving into that spiritual dimension. I want to talk to you a little bit about that for a while today. I want to talk to you about getting in and staying in. And the difference it can make in your life. Would you help me just a moment preach? Would you do that? Would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord and give him praise? You can be seated. Amen. The book of Revelation is one of those books that you never can seem to, to plumb the depth of. But the truth is that it is one book that is part of the great book that we hold dear to our heart, the word of God, and it is a great source of inspiration and strength and It is a great place to find encouragement and help. What I like about the Word of God is that it does more than just cover interesting topics. It records not mere fancies of fiction or philosophy, but it records something of a higher dimension. It comes from a divine impulse and a divine beginning, And the scripture says that it was given to us, it was written for our admonition, for our instruction, for our help. It is a word for overcomers. It is a word for those who are interested in being overcomers. Are there any overcomers in the house today? Is there anybody that may not feel like one, but you'd like to be an overcomer today? Amen. I want to help somebody. I like the way John introduces himself to us in our text. He doesn't come as the preacher. He doesn't come as the great pope or potentate, but he comes as one of us. Your brother and your companion in tribulation. He speaks out of the depth of his personal experience. He does not write as a Lord over God's heritage, but as one of us who has been where we are and experienced where we are, and he has suffered all of the things that they had suffered. And on this journey of life, I don't know how you feel, but I like to talk to somebody that's been down the road before. How many of you are parents? Most of you, you you were you have a parent, all right. Some of you don't know. Do you have a parent? Okay, all right. That was not a trick question. Amen. Parents. <clears throat> that means you've had kids. And uh, there's something that I found interesting in life that oftentimes people. <clears throat> I shouldn't say this, but they want to tell you how to raise their, your kids when they've not raised their kids. And so I want to talk to somebody that's been there. I'm not putting a person down for that, but I like the fact that John is not riding from some cloistered place, some resort. He's He's not riding to me from some luxury hotel looking out over Manhattan drinking his latte and enjoying his piece of banana bread but he's he's down he's not he's not in the trenches he's below the trenches he's in patmos patmos is an island that's located in the south aegean sea and it is very small it's barren it is rocky And it was used as an island of banishment or isolation, some six to ten miles in length and about five miles in width. It was a small island, but it was a place of great suffering. John was most likely banished there by the emperor Domitian in about A.D. 95 and it was, he was sent there to silence his voice and to quell his testimony. And there was no place that could have been better suited and selected that would have agreed with the design and purpose of the persecutor. It was the prerequisite. It was the desired place of punishment because of its isolation because of its ruggedness. It neither grows trees nor has a river in it. Any tree that is there is not native to that place as of this day. It has been transplanted there because it is not suitable in its environment for such things. It was a land that had its own kind of death wrapped into it and banishment to that island was was accomplishing a great purpose of not just isolating somebody, but putting them in an environment and in a setting that in itself was depressing. And around him constantly was the roar of the ocean and the reminder that he was isolated from his family and his brethren and the church that he loved in Asia Minor, and banishment was a form of corporal punishment. They sent political prisoners there, but they sent Christians there because they considered Christians criminals. And if you were a criminal and you went to Patmos, you went there for hard labor in the quarries, you went there with constant fetters on your feet and your hands, and you went there with very little clothing and insufficient food, and you slept on the ground, and you worked under the lash, and that was the reason that John was there. John found himself in this hellish situation, this undesirable island called Patmos, where he was no doubt whipped, where he was no doubt shackled daily, where he worked in the quarries along with the other prisoners. But yet, it is amazing when you read the book of Revelation that when John picks up the pen, in spite of his pain, in spite of his hardship, in spite of the pressure that he lived under, he talks about tribulation, what he was having to go through, what he was living in, what he was having to feel the pressure of on his life, He literally gives no attention to his surroundings. If you read the book of Revelation, you will find that he only allocates a half of a sentence to Patmos, but 22 chapters to a revelation. Now that's amazing to me, that you could be surrounded by hell itself, and yet you don't hear him talking about it in the way we would talk about it. You see him surrounded by hatred. He is surrounded by everything that should have tainted him, that should have bit him, that should have broken him, what should have aroused his anger, what should have begotten bitterness, and what should... Have been a haven for nurturing his hatred for the Romans and what should have tainted his tongue and dominated his prayer and stained and strained his emotions and irritated his soul and provoked him into protest and brought him to the brink of pouting and generated griping and complaining and stimulated more and more stress. And yet when you read the book of Revelation, you only find this said, I was in the aisle called Patmos, and that's it. And when I started looking at that a few weeks ago, I thought, God, help me. What an amazing something that he had tapped into that had so enabled him to live in this kind of environment and to be surrounded with this much junk. And yet he doesn't talk about it. You know, I think that's a lesson we might ought to learn, that many times we're better off talking less about our trials and more about our God. I believe that if somehow we could learn what John learned on Patmos to complain less about your circumstances, you might get greater revelation from God of what he's wanting to do in the future of your life. Oh, come on. If you and I, this is a month of Thanksgiving, and I didn't intend this to be a Thanksgiving message, but if you and I gripe less about our grievances and we complain less about the unfairness of life, we might be surprised where the Spirit of God could take us and what he could show us. Amen. John not only didn't talk about it, he refused to let his circumstances control him. The environment that he was living in, had no hold on him. He didn't even give it a passing thought. I mean, a half of a sentence. We would have filled Facebook up 10 times over. I say we as if I'm on there, but I know you are, so I'm going to talk about you right now too. But John refuses to let his circumstances control him. He had no control over what had happened to him, but he did have control over what was going on inside of him. And instead of letting his circumstances so overwhelm him and so control him that that's all he talked about, You know, some people, you have to be careful when you ask how are they doing because you better have your dump truck ready because they're fixing to drop a load on you and you're you're, going to stagger away from there thinking, what happened? (laughs) Because we've never learned what John learned. And if we could ever learn what John learned, it would transform life. It would transform our island of hell into a little bit of heaven. Could anybody use a little heaven right now? then why don't you quit talking about the hell that you're in right now and start looking to the God who's all around you and even better than that, he's in you right now and he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. If you were to focus on that more than on your surroundings, something powerful might happen. Amen. You don't always get to choose what you are in. But you do get to choose what's in you. Amen. Can I say that again? You don't always get to choose what you're in. I was in the aisle called Patmos. You know what I like about John? He didn't call it that. He said that's what they call it. Don't take identity of where you're at. Don't call it what... No, don't don't get connected to it in that way. John realized, I'm not here for long. I don't know. I may die. I may be translated. God may take me while I'm on this island, but this island is not going to control my mind. It's not going to control my spirit. It's not going to control what I enjoy. It's not going to control what I experience. And the Bible said he was in the spirit of the Lord's day. And that changed everything in his life. Praise God. Too many of us allow our circumstances to dominate our lives and literally make choices for us. You see, you don't have to make a choice. If you let your circumstances dominate you, they'll make a choice for you. Amen. For many... Life is awakening to a daily drudgery and a dreariness and a doubt and a fear and a depression because they have allowed their circumstances to have such dominance over their thinking and over their emotions and their thoughts processes and their and their whole life is controlled by this this unwanted thing I'm having to live through this environment that I find myself in and some are so deeply depressed by it because of what they awaken to every day wouldn't it be awesome if something could happen today in this service and you could move into the spirit realm and that move into the spirit realm would carry you over to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. You see, some of us are of the opinion that John must have wrote this all on Sunday. I don't believe that. I believe he wrote on Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, Terrible Tuesday, Tornado Thursdays. Freaky Fridays, weird Wednesdays. He didn't just sit down... In church one day and God giving this great revelation, something happened to him when he moved into the spirit on the Lord's day that carried over to Monday and then it carried over to Tuesday and it carried over to Wednesday and it carried over to Thursday and it carried over to Friday and it carried over to Saturday and here I am back at the Lord's day and it carried him back through the next week and for the next two years, Two years, I'm going to ask you honestly, just be flat out honest. If you lived in a hellish place like Patmos for two years, do you think all you could ever say about it is about a half a sentence? Go read Revelation. I read it. You don't hear him griping about it. You don't hear him moaning about it. You you don't hear him getting up and going, oh, my God. Patmos again. Something happened in the spirit that so transformed him that it's like he's on this journey, this odyssey. He's, he's in another world and he is literally in another world, but he's still on Patmos. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I could learn how to so move into the spirit realm that no matter what happens on monday or tuesday or wednesday or what we hear on friday or what even happens on saturday wouldn't it be so awesome that we could move into a relationship with god that we could walk with him in such a way that whatever day of the week it is whatever i'm surrounded by whatever hell is going on in my world it doesn't affect me it doesn't bother me it doesn't It doesn't move me. It doesn't discourage me. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. The third thing that I noticed when I read this is that John never viewed himself as a prisoner. He didn't say, I, John, a prisoner. He said, I, John, a companion and a brother in tribulation. You need to be careful what you're willing to let identify you or identify yourself with. Because life can put some tags on you that you'll never outgrow. You know what, they just, they're just unlucky. I mean, they have three left feet. They lost their rabbit foot. They lost the whole leg. They didn't just lose the rabbit foot. They lost the whole leg. If they didn't have bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck. It's like, what is that little peanut character? That little dark rain cloud? Everywhere he goes, follows him everywhere he goes. It's like Eeyore. Oh, bother. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how we go through life. Because life has put a name on us, life has labeled us. Something's happened, and we're broken now. We're we're, we're 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 we've been damaged. We're not we're not whole, and so we we adopt that philosophy. We embrace that mentality. And yet, when I read John's letter, I don't hear him talking about him being a prisoner. He would not allow the circumstances that he lived in to ad- identify him. Look at how he addresses himself. I, John, was in the aisle that is called Patmos and that's all amen how you see yourself this morning determines so much of what's going to happen in your life are you a victim are you a victim have you been taken advantage of well, if you say yes, get over it. Everybody has. I'm not being crude. I'm not being rude. I'm just saying there's, you're, you're not going to live life. You're not going to live and breathe in this world and somebody at some point in your life not offend you. But I'm not living as an offended person. I'm not living as a prisoner. How I view myself, I'm hurt well, I'm just hurt. I I know I shouldn't go here, but I'm going to go there. Hurt is an event that happens in your life. If you are still hurt, then it's not the person's fault. It becomes my fault because I allow what they did to me to dominate my life. Now, you say, I don't believe that you hurt my feelings, brother. You, I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings because it, it hurts my feelings too. But if I'm not careful, I can go through life and I can say, well, the reason I don't is because I, I, I'm hurt. And I understand that. But if I'm still hurt after five years or 10 years of something, it's not what happened to me that's affecting me. It's how I'm letting it control my life that is affecting me. And what I'm going to learn is that I didn't choose to be on Patmos. I didn't ask to be here, but I'm here. And if I'm going to be here, I'm going to make it a little bit of heaven. I'm not going to be contented living in a hell. Praise God. Clap your hands to you. If I'm not careful, I can allow myself to become a prisoner of my problems and to become a prisoner of my circumstances. And it possesses me and it controls me. This is what I find most interesting, though. I have never... In all of my years of preaching, ever looked up the meaning of Patmos. Anybody know what Patmos means? Patmos means my killing, my killing, my death. And John had an experience in a killing place, in a place that was meant for his death. And he said, I refuse to die. Devil, I got news for you. You better go get some more artillery because it's going to take more than a Patmos to put me out of here. It's going to take more than this thing I'm going through right now to destroy me. If you think I'm going to lay down and die, you're wrong. I'm not laying down and dying. I'm going to get up and live. I'm going to choose to live in spite of my circumstances and in spite of my surroundings. I am going to live. You see, it's possible to live in a place that was designed to kill you and spoil the intent of your enemy. Whoa, don't you know that had to be frustrating? He outlasted Domitian. Domitian put him there to silence him and shut him up and, and thought he would do away with him. Two years is gone, Domitian's gone, but John comes off the island. Amen. You see, something happened to John that was able to keep him through that hellish experience so he could write to us and tell us, I was in the isle called Patmos, but I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and it made all the difference in the world. It is possible for you and I, To be more passionate about the things of God than the circumstances surrounding our life. John said, Devil, you don't have enough artillery. You don't have enough hatred. You don't have enough bitterness. You don't have enough jealousy. You don't have enough anger. You don't have enough artillery to kill me. It's going to take more than that to put me down because I refuse to let my circumstances kill me. Amen. The key to turning your killing field into a living, living field is being in the spirit. Amen. If you can get in it, and I don't know. I didn't get to ask the doctor here, but it's in. I think it's in a voice that indicates continuing action. Is that right? I was was is a word. I think it's the middle voice in the Greek, and that means continuing action. So he didn't just. Oh, I'll get this Sunday, and then Monday rolls around, and we fall apart. But something happened on. A, A Sunday. Something happened on a worship day. Something happened on a church day. The Lord's day. That carried over. And it continued to carry over. And what I'm trying to tell somebody here this morning. Is that you can move into a place with God. And living for God. And discover that something can flow out of your Sundays into your Mondays and into your Tuesdays and into your Wednesday and into your Thursday and into your Friday and into your Saturday and bring you back again to the Lord's house and you still be on top of it. The condition upon which that happens is in the Spirit. Everybody say in the Spirit. The word in is a preposition denoting a fixed position. A preposition is a word that describes relationship between two things. So what scripture is telling us is that you've got to have a relationship with the spirit. It cannot be something that you just heard about or heard somebody talk about or that you've heard somebody preach about. It's got to be more. It's got to be, there's gotta be a personal relationship there. You can't get there because your wife or your husband's there. You don't get there because the person next to you's there. You don't get there because I'm there. You get there because you choose to go there. You get there because you yield yourself to move into that dimension. And what does it mean by in the spirit? It means possessed by, controlled by, immersed in, alive to, elevated in, under the influence. I love how the New Living Translation said, he said, I was worshiping the Lord on the Lord's day. I was worshiping on the Lord's day. It's amazing what happens when people worship. I mean really worship. Now I'm not talking about singing songs. You can sing songs and never worship. But I want to tell you something about worshipers. And one translation said I was in prayer on the Lord's day. Pray and worship, pretty powerful dimensions to move in God. But this is what I've learned about prayer and praise and prayer and worship. I have never met a discouraged or depressed person that knew how to pray and knew how to worship. I have never met anybody that wanted to quit that was a prayer and a worshiper. I've never met anybody that said, I've had enough of this, I'm out of here, that was a prayer and a worshiper. What I'm saying is that when you start praying and you start worshiping, something happens and God elevates you out of that world that you're surrounded by and lets you see dimensions of things that you cannot comprehend. But if you don't pray and you don't worship, You will be a victim of your circumstance. You will be controlled by what goes on around you. Amen. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he didn't just get in it and move out of it. You know, we got a lot of folks that do that. They move in it on Sunday, they move out on Monday. They move in on Wednesday, they move out on Thursday. And they wonder why their life is so much of a chaotic mess you can't live that way and be an overcomer you cannot live that way and and, and be victorious because at some point you're enough human there's enough humanity in you that it's going to start taking a toll and you're going to start succumbing to it you're going to get up on a friday and you're going to think you know what i can't make it i'm tired i'm not doing this i'm not living like this anymore and do something stupid, something that's just crazy, something that doesn't even make sense. And, 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 in your, and, and then you catch yourself, oh, you get back to church, oh, I feel so bad, I feel so bad. And, and so you move in on Sunday, and then Bundy comes around. Huh. John said, I moved into it, and I stayed in it. I have no idea how long... It took him to write the book of Revelation but I can guarantee you it wasn't all done on Sunday. Amen. And the only way you can live like that is to learn the power of moving into and staying in the Spirit. Not just move in and move out but let it control you. Let worship become a priority in your life. You see, this is what has bothered me for a long time about our, our Pentecostal worship. It's powerful. People that never been around Pentecostal worship, when they come into our services, that's one common thing that I hear them say all the time. I am, I've never felt anything like this. I've never been moved like that. And I'm hearing them say that. And then I've seen others in the same service that were yawning, checking the phone, see what time it was, see if the preacher was understood his time was up yet. I, I mean, I, I got things I got to do. It's because we have allowed ourselves to think that because we come and sit on a church pew that we've come to church. Or you, you come to a building, but you really haven't come to church until you prayed a little bit and especially until you start moving into that dimension of worship because when you move into that dimension of worship, that's what allows God to elevate you and pick you up. That's why when you really get into worship, God, all of, he, he has the amazing ability to take what has so overwhelmed you and depressed you all of a sudden in the middle of worship. You think, what was I worried about? What was I so freaked out over? What was I so disturbed over? What was I so troubled about? Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm through. Amen. The Spirit took control of me. I would to God that that could happen to us today. The Spirit would take control of us. But here's a catch. The Spirit can only take control of what you yield to it. God will not force you. He will not make you. He's not going to hog tie you, wrestle you down, force your mouth open. He's not going to force your hands up. Amen. Amen. One man, one man who puts himself in alignment with God's purpose can transform his troubles into triumphs. One man who puts himself in line with divine commandments, such as in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. use I don't feel like shouting. It didn't ask me if I felt like it. It was a command. Do it. Here's what we've got in Pentecost. We've gotten to the place where we let our feelings determine whether or not we're going to have a good service or not. We're tired. I can feel it. I feel it right now. I'm tired. But I'm not going to let my tiredness dictate what, I know God wants to do for me in this service. And so, you know what you do? You learn to forget that part of your life and say, you know what? I can't, I don't have the strength in myself. If I'm going to get through this... It's going to be because God has given me the strength to get through. If I'm going to overcome this, I'm not going to overcome this in myself. I'm going to overcome it by the help of the Lord. I'm going to overcome it because he is going to give me what I need to get me through. And when you get into that kind of thinking, and you really, when that worship starts coming from down here and it starts flowing out, something something powerful happens. I feel it right now but it's more than a feeling I sense it right now wanting to come up but don't let your feelings be the thing that dictates that let your worship be the priority and it will bring your feelings into alignment and once you start worshiping then you'll feel like it but if you wait till you feel like it you may not ever worship Because the devil will make sure that you're surrounded by enough hell and chaos and ugliness and meanness and bad stuff and and junk. He'll he'll surround you with so much hurt and pain and suffering and tribulation and trial. Amen. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Heaven opened, I saw a throne. And one who sat on the throne. I saw angels. I saw the four and twenty elders. I saw them take their crowns and throw them at his feet and, and bow before him and cry, holy, holy, holy. I saw new Jerusalem descend down out of heaven. A city where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more crying, no more sighing, no more parting. I saw... <laughs> I wonder what you and I could see today if we could just move into that spiritual dimension for a moment. Oh hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I worship you, Almighty God. I magnify you, oh God. I trust you, oh Lord. Hallelujah.